cool. Hi everyone, I'm Alex. I'm Michaela. And and this, this is Archibald von Fusik Second, and we are the Chernobyl family and a Sin World podcast. So let's do it. It's the Scene World podcast. I'm me. He's him. This is the thing. We're back. Exactly. In the new year. First time with HA in the new year. Exactly. Yes, indeed. Uh, in a minute, uh, Jurg and and John. I was on Adventures for this one. Uh, Jurg and John will be talking to Mickey and Steve Diederich. They are the uh, organizers of uh, Vintage Computer Festival SoCal in Southern California. That's in uh, on February 17th to 18th, uh, President's Day weekend at the Hotel Farah event center in Orange, California. Um, exactly. And that is why we have three episodes this month, because I wanted to push this out as soon as possible. Yes, indeed. But before, though, we have some news. Yeah, news. Um, um, do you want me to start? Uh, if you want to start, that's, that's right, up to you. Right. I got some news from our friend, Billy Mitchell. Oh, Lord. Yes. He lost his lawsuit. Uh, really? In a way that they that they didn't proceed with the lawsuit, but found an agreement outside of court. They settled. They settled. Okay. They settled, exactly. And the settlement looks like this. They made a historical database entry on the homepage where Billy Mitchell is still listed. Okay. Billy Mitchell claimed on his Twitter slash X account that the scores has been reinstated. Elon Musk's community comments added a remark saying that's not true. He is still not listed in the new um, factual high score table, but as I said, in the historical one. And then in panic, Billy Mitchell private privated his, his account. Oh, okay. Right. Well, that's problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well. Okay. Okay. Well. Never surrender. Always have a plan. Plan didn't work out so well. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so so that's not great for Billy. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and here's the thing. Here's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Um, 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 why why Twin Galaxies agreed to a settlement outside of court? And um, because Billy Mitchell was able to get a professor that is um, that is expert in arcades oh, and stuff. Okay. And, okay. A lawyer, you mean? Tech stuff. Or, or yeah, okay. No, no, no. no oh, oh, I, oh, okay. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah, I hear you. And um, now I'm trying to find find um, find his name. <laughs> of course. Um, <coughs> let's see if I can if I can find it. Because there are so many, many pages reporting uh, I'll tell about you right now. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the report. Uh, yeah. Michael Zaida. Um, yeah, exactly. 
exactly. That's the one. Yeah. And he has a very, very crazy homepage. Yes, he does. There's there's a statement here. I will put a link to it. Yes. That's of the, the expert yeah. report. Yeah. Expert report. And here's the thing. He said that the footage of the VHS tapes, and that was um, for the King of Kongs provided for the documentary, and yes. also later scores, we're looking like it was played on name because of the of the um, particular way the PCB of the arcade machine aged. Okay. And the unpredictable side effects such such an aging process can have can have to electronics. And that is why that is why coincidentally looks like 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 um, the um, graphic establishment pattern of stages. Yeah. You, you hear this, guys? You're supposed to be having graphical glitches. None of my old machines realize this because they've been running flawlessly. I know, I know. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he actually found somebody who who put his career and his reputation on the line for Billy Mitchell. Oh There's my god. There's always somebody. There's always somebody. I wonder what Casey Ross thinks of this. Because she is firmly in Billy's, on Billy's side with most of I know. I mean, I try to stay neutral. But Me anyway, too. anyway, I think this reasoning is super hilarious. It is. It is. I, I try to stay neutral as well. But there are things that are that are objectively hilarious that you just can't right. help but laugh right. at. I mean, this is I mean, one of those things. I mean, you remember when we tried to interview anybody from the old Twin Galaxy guards? Yeah. Like, yeah. um, like um, uh, um, uh, Richie Knuckles and so on. And nobody would talk to us for years. Yeah. Because everybody knew something fishy is going on. And nobody yes. wanted to talk about it. Uh, yep. uh, yeah. Well, anyway. <coughs> so. And that's, that's, I mean, we've been talking about for years how there should be something other than Twin Galaxies around to, to, to be the arbiter of this. Because there's so much. I mean, you know, okay. Forget the whole ego thing with Billy. Forget everything else. I mean, you know, to have to have one organization, there's politics involved always with this stuff. And to have one organization be the absolute arbiter of who is the high score when when you, you know, you can easily have that taken away if you just, you know, get if you have a falling out with the guy that's running the place. You know, that that's <clears throat> there's so much about Twin Galaxies that, that I don't like to begin with. Um and there's stuff about Billy that I don't, I'm not particularly fond of, but yeah, the problem with the new Twin Galaxies is Trace Hall is denying any right, comments, right. interviews. Yes. So there's only there's always only one side of the story. Right. You, right. We never get the second side, right. and uh, yeah, and and actually I was making interview appointments, and he called them off. Like, yeah. No, my staff's not doing any interviews. All right. What are you going to do? So hopefully, perhaps in 10, 20 <laughs> years, when things cool down, yeah, some people are dead, <laughs> then, um, then we, can, we can talk about it yeah. calmly. But hey, I mean, I can't complain. I mean, we had... Um, we had um, um, 
we had Billy Mitchell. Yes. We had Walter Day. We had yeah. Richie Knuckles. Yeah. Roy um, Shields. Roy Shields, the name I forgot, right? I could um, I could complain about that. But. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 the other one that which names Robert Mersack? Yes, yes. Robert Mersack, right, right. So we got so many, so many cool individuals from the Queen Galaxies. Old Guard. Yeah. I think we got it covered pretty much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. that's that's state of affairs right now. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I've got Other one news. Here. Oh yeah. Other news. Um, Pleasant Green. Who we interviewed, yeah, uh, back then. He he made a new project with help with helps of his uh, Nigerian friends, and that is that is a course for smartphone safe, safety for Gen Z, for younger people yes, actually, yes. to how to not fall into scams. And how to make your mobile phone, smartphone. Is that a problem that, that young people have these days, falling into scams? I feel like like young people would be the first to be like, yeah, it's a scam. Because they grew up with it. Yeah, the, the thing is, no. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> and the thing is, I was actually seeing reports about that. And they say it's actually two generations. The, our parents' generation, right? Right, yeah. And Generation Z, because a um, lot of under 20-something, so like born in 2022, 2023, are very naive. Wait, wait, uh, born in 2022? They'd be two years old. Sorry, uh, 2002. Okay, right. okay. 2002, right. 2002. And um, <laughs> so they, they, yeah, yeah. So they, um, right. Yeah. yeah, 20 year olds, 20 year olds. It's interestingly, it's interestingly, it's interesting the same, same age group that has problems getting, getting along with normal computers like PCs and stuff. Huh. Okay. So the smartphone generation has has a huge um, knowledge gap huh. in regards of smartphone safety, online safety, how to use regular computers. I mean, which I understand, if you're using your your iPad or your your iPhone or Android phone all the time, and and never use a regular PC. And yeah. never use something like, you know, um, emails that are virus infected and you click on it and then a well, virus is downloaded and it's opened and infects your computer. You not only that, but if you have a problem. You yeah, know? but if you've also, if you mostly work with your phone and even brand new, brand new computers, you know, you, there really is like a, like a, that, that OS layer on top of it that, that, you know, even people that were, you know, the millennials, they call them. Um, right. Dealt with, you know, that underlying hardware aspect of it that a lot of people now don't really deal with. So it's kind of like, yeah, you turn it on and it starts. And that's the 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 entirety of how the machine works. 
you know, they're not concerned with, with anything else. It's like, it, it turns on, it works. That's all I need to worry about. Right, right. And, and yeah, I guess that would, that would cause some issues as far as, you know, using a regular old computer. Right, right. Yeah. So anyway, um, Ben made with his friends this course and, um, with the promo code Nigeria, you can actually get um, 50% off. So it's called smartphonesafetypro.com. Okay. Yeah. And we will link to a video where he explains the project. And it's actually helping, um, it's actually helping one of his friends for, for getting a kidney transplant. Oh, okay. And another um, Nigerian friend will get paid his um, dental surgery bills by that. So okay, this okay. project actually has a good use. Awesome. So you, you know, I mean, I mean, we had we had we had the interview with Ben before, and you know, his his initiative is always like do something better than scamming people to earn a living. Yeah. You know. Uh, and um, yeah, it's it's somehow somehow extreme that somebody from USA has to teach people from countries like um, like Nigeria, India, and so on how to how to make li a living by in an honest way by you know being creative. You know, I mean, his past projects we talked about it in the interview are books. Yeah. That people photo photograph themselves, yeah. and the other one from uh, from Cameroon was actually drawing right, drawing right. her life story in a book. Yeah, and uh, thousands of people bought the books, the printed book, my myself included, and it's 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 um, somehow interesting that that those governments don't have socializing programs to educate people themselves i mean there really has to be somebody over the internet from usa to teach people how to edit videos and stuff so that they can be they can make their own project yeah it's yeah. It's, it's somehow somehow weird you know especially it is. It is. especially in countries like in nigeria where where english is one of the na national languages that they talk and I always think like if you are fluent in English, especially if it's one of your mother tongue, you have so much material on the internet you could access. But I guess they they go the easy route, like scamming people makes me thousands of dollars per, yeah. per scam case for mm -hmm. everybody who falls for it. Why should I do any serious yeah, exactly. work? You know? Right. I work hard for a smaller return when you can when you can scam someone for a lot. Right. 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 Yeah. So it's it's quite interesting. Anyway, I wanted to mention it because um, it's a great project. I mean, I'm hmm. probably not the target audience, um, but no. still a nice thing. So what yeah. what have you got? All right, I got two things here. One is uh, pretty easy. The uh, uh, C64 OS that we've talked about before is uh, up to version 1.05. Mm -hmm. 
Nice. Uh, there's some tutorials on how to update from the previous versions, 104 and 103. Um, I don't know when that actually came out, um, but I think it was fairly recently. Um, and the other thing I got is the uh, the the Redip CIA FPGA replacement board. Mm. So this is a a. A, uh, this is done by Dag Lem from from um, the Vice team. Um, oh, from the Vice team. Nice. Yes, yes. There's a there is a GitHub page about it, um, and it this is a an F, this is a drop in FPGA uh, CIA replacement that emulates either the 6526 or the 8520. The 6526 is in the 64 or, uh, C64 and 128, and the 8520 is in the Amiga. And if I recall correctly, I'm pretty sure that the 8520 is backwards compatible with the 6526. I think the clock is somewhat different. Like uh, the 6526 counts things in microseconds, and the 8520 just does like an AM/PM time. But um, but I think they're interchangeable because I've done that. My 128 had a the the the, the 8521 is fundamentally different. That one isn't a drop-in replacement. I think these are, but but yeah. Um, so that that will help uh, replace the failing CIA, CIA chips, which to date there hasn't really been a replacement for them. Right, that's true. Awesome. And they're in they're in everything. I mean, the CIA's are in they're in disk drives. They're in the computers. They're in everything. Right. Again, the Amiga's got two of them. The 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 fifteen seventy one's got one. The 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 fifteen the one twenty eight's got a couple. You know, the the sixty four I think has has one or two. Two. Two, right? Yeah, the Amiga's got two as well. Yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah, these are are you know necessary chips for these machines to work, and you know they go bad just like any other chip. And to date, there has not been a a good replacement. There's been a SID replacement, a Vic replacement. There've been replacements for every damn thing. PLA replacement, but not for these things. So that's cool that they're right. doing something with that. Cool, cool. I don't right. think that it's available to purchase yet, but they are. I think they are working on it. Nice. So. Well, I got one last bit of news. Okay. Six sixty four audio released a free download of the album Data Hits Rewound, the brainchild of Don Tutil made possible by Sid Effects and mastered by Holger Lagerfeld. Okay. Yeah. So, something for free for the new year. Nice. Why not? Nice. Awesome. Yeah, that would be all. Not much news. All right. Yeah, that's all I got. In a week. Nice. Yeah. So, now let's talk about VCF SoCal. Indeed. Perfect. Right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so as I as I wrote via email, I um, let John join because John is our VCF expert, I would say. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. I I attend Midwest every year. I've been going for about twelve years now. I'm not going to try and compare what you're doing with what they're doing there because each VCF seems to be somewhat independent of one another. So yeah, um, I'm not going to ask you about you know oh they're doing this in Chicago. What are you doing in SoCal? 
um, because it's probably really not germane. I know what they're doing in the Southeast VCF is different from what Chicago does and the various locations and that kind of stuff. Um, the one question I do have is uh, what prompted you to start um, a VCF in Southern California? The Vit Nerd. We, uh, we do a YouTube channel, The Vit Nerd, for, of course, retro hardware and all. And we went to, uh, we haven't made it to Midwest, but we have been to uh, the VCF in Dallas, uh, Southwest, and up in Mountain View, the uh, VCF East, or West. And we're like, why is there not one in Southern California? So th th there are other shows in this area, and every, every show has its own, you know, target, its, its flavor, but there's no vintage computer fest, no VCF. And uh, that's why we started it. We just, we want one in our own backyard. Interesting thing, what we should mention is the VCF is one of the uh, few events that's also happening outside of USA. Um, there's one in Munich, one in Berlin, one in Vienna, mm -hmm. in, in Austria. So um, it's really international, which I find quite interesting because this way, Everybody heard about it, whether you are from from a certain region of the world or not. I agree. One of the things that I've kind of noticed, and I noticed this specifically last time I was in the uh, Chicago VCF, is it's kind of it's sort of taking on that old school nerd feel, kind of like what you would get back at an old Comic Con back before the studio started showing up. Um, I've kind of noticed that these vintage computer festivals are kind of taking on the character of the old school Comic Cons, um, kind of those old nerd gatherings, even even possibly old user groups. Um, one of the things that I really that really stood out to me this year in Chicago, particularly, is the number of younger people showing up to these events. Okay. Usually, when we think of um, old computers, you think of people like my age. I'm 53, you know, kind of holding on to the um, old 8 bits and 16 bits that we used to love back in the day. And even in the early days of VCF, and back in Chicago, it was called ECCC, which was Commodore centric. Um, it was a lot of old heads out there, you know, just kind of swapping and that kind of stuff. What are you expecting to see in your venue? Uh, yeah, do you have any of you who's going to be showing up, that kind of thing? Yeah, we're, we're kind of basing, um, we're using a baseline of what we saw at Southwest, which reinstated after a 10-year hiatus, and then also up in West, um, where it, it is the majority is going to be folks that are um, eligible for AARP. So um, <laughs> all of us <laughs> here. And um, I, I was surprised at the, um, the younger generational interest in it, which is, is fantastic. Um, I'm hoping that it, it might be probably like a 90-10% split. Um, but the folks, everybody there, regardless of what generation they fall in, is so incredibly enthusiastic about sharing and they're open. And that was actually the driving force for us to start one. When we left um, Southwest, we were kind of on a high from the conversation. And we're like, this is fantastic. Some of the just most open, friendly folks excited to share the history. Um, and then I also want to know that uh, that's the mission of VC Federation, the um, overarching entity, is to keep this memory carrying on and engage the younger folks. So um, mission accomplished on their part.
Mm -hmm. uh, just one question, though, because I'm not so sure about that. I saw briefly another interview you did before, and I think, Mickey, you are kind of the driving force behind this organization. And, and so on, because I remember Steve mentioning how much ven ventures and, and place you actually called to figure out a place where this show is happening. So, so who has which role, just for interest? Yeah, so my background, I mean, I did grow up on, on a Commodore, and I, um, and I also used a TRS-80 in school, and then, of course, Apple IIe's um, after that. So um, I do have my own experience, but it's I, I never got back into collecting um, machines. Thankfully, my, my parents actually had uh, my machines still, so they're behind us right now, which is fantastic. But um, my uh, background is graphic design, presentation building, and event planning. And so I thought, shoot, I you know I can do this, and then. Um, you know, working with my husband, Steve, who has that encyclopedic knowledge of those vintage machines. <laughs> um, he is working with the uh, exhibitors, what they're going to bring mm -hmm. and, um, you know, guiding. We're working together on the speakers. Um, I'm doing so I'm more logistics and um, he's more content. Yeah. Interesting, well, yeah. Okay. Well, Nikki fails. Um, Mickey fails to mention uh, she's a data analyst, and that that's her uh, her 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 big skill set. So anything you do, you analyze the data. You're doing a show. You're doing exhibitors. You're doing you know event planning. It's all data analyzing. Uh, so her early uh, retro computer days, or back then just called computers. Uh, really uh, put her on the path of analyzing data, you know, working with systems and such. So, uh, as you asked, Mickey's role is organizing the whole thing in the background. Uh, my role is uh, helping with that, mm -hmm. as well as uh, you know, all the all the hardware. You know, so when people are coming to exhibit, I know what they're talking about, and you know where we're going to place people and. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'll come up with, a, you know, dozens or hundreds of uh, silly, stupid uh, ideas. Like, what if we had a, a Commodore do this thing? What if we did check-in with an Atari computer? And she's like, that sounds good. It's not going to work. But, you know, yeah. keep, keep coming up with ideas, Steve. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. And then and then making make an analog um uh, like entry ticket with a needle printer and then then the printer fails because the head is right. overheating from the from the uh, big amount of printing all day yeah well right. nice ideas but actually those machines are a bit fragile by now i'm afraid you know that's yeah. actually the main issue um and also perhaps it's a strange question but how do you pronounce your your last name because i would obviously pronounce it german like diederich but that's probably wrong Right. Well, there is multiple ways, of course, as you now know, to say Diederich. So, uh, you know, Diederich, Diederich, Diederich. <laughs> I, um, in all my years of life, I've uh, worked with all of them. But uh, my family clan, per se, you know, we pronounce it Diederich. Okay, like the American name that, um, the Amer American way, uh, the <laughs> pronouncing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, we, yeah, we, just, we, don't have, just, we don't have any guttural vowels, you know. You know right. <laughs> you know, right. All, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. 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 Well, I actually felt in this trap once. Um, 
um, where um, when when I interviewed somebody called uh, Bach, and and I said Bach, and then he was like a bit strange on me. <laughs> That's why I prefer to ask. Um, all right. Well, um, so it's it's actually interesting because you contacted me over uh, the contact form of our homepage. So you were aware that we kind of try to cover the American and the European field kind of. So you did your, your research who to contact mm -hmm. first. Yeah, I did a lot of um, trolling on the internet. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just combed through and looked like who who would want to know about this event? Um, and when when can we partner with folks? Um, so we, we did local and international since you have an online presence that works fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then I also focused on local um, shops in the Orange County area, um, some barcades, uh, some little uh, electronic shops, that sort of thing. Yeah, after this interview, we have one with Golf Digest. So. No, we don't. No, no we don't. <laughs> so out of curiosity, have you reached out to people like the 8-Bit guy, um, the guy from LGR, Ben Heck? Um, they've been known to show up at these VCF of events, and they've been quite a draw. Yeah, we, um, we have a, few, a circle of folks that we've been reaching out to, um, but we need to do a broader push on those. I, uh, we don't have direct contact with um, most of them. We have to go through their um, channels and that, you know, filters out some yeah. of the messages. Well, we did talk to uh, David, the 8-bit guy at uh, BCF Southwest. Our, uh, the Vintner, we, we had a booth at Southwest and it was actually placed next to uh, the 8-bit, uh, David, the 8-bit guy. And uh, so we let him know that we were planning on doing a show and uh, I think uh, we've heard through the grapevine that he's keeping it more to just a couple shows a year, you know, the ones he's been familiar with doing. Now, we understand this is our first year, and who who knows how it's going to turn out exactly, um, but we we believe we've got a good format going. One of the things we feel we're doing different uh, with ours is uh, Mickey did pick a venue that is a hotel with an event center, Lots of parking, separate entrance for the event center. Um, so already we have uh, booked. Oh, geez, uh, I think on Saturday night there's going to be easily fifty or sixty hotel rooms filled with um, you know vintage uh, you know fest goers, and of course you know with with their um, spouses or, or partners. We're, we're expecting probably after, when the show ends uh, for Saturday at six p.m. We're expecting 100, 200 people in the hotel lobby, which has a bar. So uh, we're just going to geek out in the lobby. Uh, I already checked with the, uh, one of the hotel managers. I said, would you have a problem with people sitting out in the lobby and the chairs plugging in, you know, 30-year-old computers and laptops and playing Doom? And uh, her response was, oh, people have plugged in rice cookers. So, yeah, that's not a problem at all. <laughs> so, ah, okay. we're, so we, we plan the the show ends, well, it ends on Sunday, but Saturday's uh, day ends at 6 p.m. And we're expecting, you know, after people recover, have dinner maybe, you know, come back to the lobby and let's just all hang out and geek out and, and get to know each other. So so are you having a mix of um, both vendors and people putting on exhibitions? Is that yes. something that uh, an attendee can expect? Oh, yeah, can you yeah, tell yeah. me a little bit more? Or can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, it's going to be more weighted with uh, exhibitors. 
we do have vendors on board uh, selling, uh, you know, some people like Aquarius Plus that wants to sell some of his Aquarius Plus products. Uh, a couple other vendors that uh, do other VCFs uh, that are going to have all their accessories and everything out for sale. Uh, we've had some people that want to sell their collections. So they're, um, some are signing up as a vendor. Uh, so to be in the exhibit hall selling, you have to sign up uh, as a selling exhibitor or vendor, and there's paperwork involved. But if somebody wanted to exhibit and sell some stuff but not go through all the vendor business paperwork, then they just simply sign up as an exhibitor and place their items in consignment. So we are going to have a large consignment area and selling retro stuff, you know, all day Saturday and, and Sunday. So even, you know, if you're not sure if you if you want to come, well, you, you might find some good deals or some rare items. You know, we don't know. We'll find out. Most of our uh, members are in flyover land. We have some people on the East Coast. I'm I'm on the Wisconsin Minnesota border, so I would have loved to go this year, but it was a little short notice. Plus, a new semester starting up, and I wouldn't be right. able to drag myself away. But I did bring it up to my wife, and I'm like, "Would you be willing to go to Los Angeles next year?" And she seemed receptive to it. Um, I don't know what Los Angeles is like in the middle of January, but I can tell you around here, it's sub-zero, and uh, it would be nice to get somewhere warmer. Yeah, that's I, actually why you are so so stuffed in clothes this evening. <laughs> yeah, it's even cold in my house. It's ridiculous yeah. around here. Uh, I'm uh, Mickey's a California girl. Uh, I'm originally from upstate New York, so I spent you know four or five decades shoveling snow. So I know what you're talking about. And um, also, you know what you're talking about. It is much better here in February. So <laughs> yeah, our our low will probably be in the 50s. Highs probably in the late uh, higher 60s. Um, sometimes 70. We'll get some rain. Generally in Southern California, it rains for I don't know an hour. Yeah. And then it stops. Oh, how you suffer. <laughs> yeah. And and we don't have to shovel the rain. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that is a benefit. Okay. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, costs, that kind of stuff? Um, so uh, do you have ticket pre-sales? Is it just sales at the door, a mixture of both? Is there a price difference between the two? Uh, we're selling tickets now online. If you go to vcfsocal.com and we have uh, Saturday or Sunday tickets are $25 each. Uh, right now, uh, we set up a weekend ticket, uh, which, of course, the value is $50, but we're selling that for $40 right now. So if you want to save some money on that and uh, spend the whole weekend there. And then we do have a vintage fan retro, uh, vintage retro fan bundle uh, for $100, which gets you a weekend ticket, you know, a special lanyard badge, uh, some stickers, a T-shirt, and uh, whatever other few goodies we figure out to throw into that uh, goodie bag. And uh, we've sold a, a good number of those, which which is great. It shows a lot of support uh, from the community on that one. Awesome, awesome. So, what are you most excited about for this event? Just what's that your favorite would, thing coming up? That I don't have to drive to Texas for a VCF. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, the community. Yeah. That, that's what we're, we're trying to gear everything towards interaction. So we're hoping for the, um, the, the folks that are able to attend that they get to meet people. Um, we're planning possibly a couple mixers in our large foyer area, um, possibly 
like a meetup. Um, on my, when my kids were younger, they would uh, go to Anime Expo, and every once in a while you get a text that says, like, everyone that's dressed as something, yeah. come out to the stairs, and we'll all take a group photo. So we thought maybe in the lobby, if the, you know, if you're, if you're team Commodore, everyone join us at this um, particular spot, and uh, you can exchange phone numbers or whatever um, to do kind of a meet and greet. And what I would I would like to know, um, are you also inviting former Commodore employees like, you know, Dave Haney and Bill Hurt are very true classics, um, yeah. you know, yeah. or uh, the sure Tramiels, the Tramiels sons, you know, who always have some crazy stories of the yep. early 80s. Yep. Uh, Bill Hurt said he's, he's on board. He's he's coming down. Wonderful. Uh, uh, Mark Rifkin is a former Commodore employee. He's uh, he's going to have a, this, uh, an exhibit as well, and he's uh, attending or exhibiting. Uh, we've reached out to Leonard Trammell. Uh, we ha haven't heard back from him yet. But we uh, actually got to know him up at West, so yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was nice. We have a, a friendly rapport with him. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing I wanted to mention is uh, Mickey mentioned text messages. Uh, that is a method that we're going to use at our uh, VCF that we haven't seen in other places. Instead of using a PA system, a, a bullhorn or something, and you, people can't hear those anyways, uh, we're setting up a system uh, for text messaging. And people can, uh, you know, put their, you know, sign up for opt that in, if they yeah. want it. Yeah, opt in. And we're going to send text messages through the show if there's a special event, if there's something to watch out for, whatever, you know, just to give announcements during the show. And uh, that plays in with what Mickey said. If we do a special, get, if somebody's like, can we all gather in the whatever, everybody who's a Commodore employee or this right. or that, and we'll send out a text message. So uh, we think it's a, uh, a good way to communicate with, you know, hopefully the hundreds and hundreds of people that will be there. Um, and I just want to tease that we do have um, something fun up our sleeve for Bill and um, folks. Uh, we're hoping to do some sort of kind of rivalry game show um, event. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we're fleshing that out still, but mm -hmm. it, it should be exciting. And um, are you planning on having Bill give a presentation or a speech or lecture or something along those lines? Or any of your guests, are you thinking that they're going to maybe talk about their background, their knowledge, some inside baseball kind of stuff? Yeah, we've got we've got a nice speaker lineup, and um, I don't think Bill's going to do a, a regular session, but he may um, moderate a, a session and then also be in this kind of game show concept. And we've um, reserved him. Um, we really want him to just, just have a good time. Uh, he works so hard for the VS yeah. VCFs across the the U.S., so um, we're hoping to um, give him a, a little bit of a break on that. That's actually good because he is always making those uh, quiet presentations like the bugs in the original Commodore 64. And then it's like it's all recorded on the Internet. So the question is how much many more versions of the same presentation you need, which is actually leading me to my next question. Are you recording this thing? Are you preserving? Um, are you planning to preserve actually those lectures and presentations? Yeah, yes. yeah, we have, um, we're, we will be recording them. Um, we would love to live stream, but we don't know this building yet. We need to run one show to really get an understanding of um, how feasible it would be bandwidth wise to, um, to do a live stream, but for sure we're recording them. Mm. Uh, one thing I, I'd like to go back uh, to a few minutes ago, I, I really wanted to mention 
you talked about you know people uh, meeting each other and and, and such, um, and and I did say this in a, another another interview we did the other day. Uh, this is not a trade show. You know, I've right. been to plenty of computer trade. I've, I've been to CBIT up in Hanover three, four times. And, you know, it's great. You see some cool stuff. Maybe you talk to some reps about something, but it's all business. You know, this show, it's the people exhibiting are lovers of what they're exhibiting. They're, they're not employees of this stuff that they're just there for the weekend. You know, they pulled the short straw or something. They want to be there and they want to talk. <laughs> Yeah, and they want to have conversations. So just like when we went to uh, a few VCFs, you can walk up to the table and you'll ask, you're like, what is what exactly is that thing? And they'll tell you the whole backstory and where they got it and if they built it themselves and, and what it's doing and what tweaks they haven't done yet that they wish they could do. And then you can interject like, oh, yeah, I thought about such and such. And then you're in a conversation with a complete stranger, but all about the love of retro. So anybody who would, uh, we still have room for exhibitors. So anybody who just has stuff at home, they just love that game or this accessory they built yesterday or 20 years ago, come exhibit and you'll just have tons of conversations. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the old school user groups I used to go to back in the 80s, right, um, right. where you wouldn't know a single soul. But if you start talking about computers, everyone will light up and we'll just right. start talking and the enthusiasm was there. And that's one of the things that I've kind of missed over the years. And I kind of capture that from those VCF events where people are just there to, to learn, have fun, remember the things that they might've forgotten back in the day. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I really like these kind of events and I'm really excited that another one's coming up in Southern California. Um, so then I know who is doing the report for the magazine next year. You and Sean, right? Yeah, you're you're paying for the for the airfare, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm sure it won't take much for me to twist my wife's arm to go out to Southern California in the middle of February. Uh. I have a little like um, travel cheat sheet as well, so I can send that along. That just uh, talks about all of the fun things to do in Southern California. Yeah, we're th this venue is what three miles from yeah Disney? three miles from Disneyland. So Disneyland. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how does it even work to make a VCF? Is it like um, is it like a brand and you sign up to be allowed to use the brand name? Um, or how well, is it actually okay. working? The process uh, we went through is, you know, we started talking to some of the people who were doing the VCFs we went to and they're like, you know, talk to Jeffrey Brace, talk to uh, Eric. And um, so we started those conversations with the VC Fed, uh, and we ended up having um, a meeting with them, with their board, and talked about you know what we wanted to do here. And uh, they gave us the blessing to use uh, the VCF moniker, which is great because if we just started a retro show ourselves, you know we'd have a decent turnout and and we'd have fun, but putting the VCF moniker on it really gets it some attention that people know what the focus of the show is. They know what it's going to be like already. And for one second, we've got a lawnmower. I'm going to go. No problem. Oh, sure. No problem. <laughs> well, can I bounce a question off you then? Um, what, sure. what is the, <laughs> um, the user group scene around Southern California? Do you still have active user groups for vintage computers? Absolutely. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This, 
this isn't the only vintage meetup in town. You know, far, far from it. There are other uh, meetups that happen throughout the year. Commodore, Atari, mix of this, mix of that. Um, we just, we, we could have done something like that, but we decided to bite off a bigger chunk and see if we couldn't go up a higher level, get it to an event center. Um, you know, not the Anaheim event center, you know, where like, you know, the non music show happens or things like that, where you can hold a CES kind of show. Right. But um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of groups and we've been working with some of them to see if they would like to hold, you know, as, have some exhibit tables together at our show. Uh, we're happy um, not to bring them into our fold, but to, to highlight them so that right. they can bring up uh, other members. Uh, one one thing about Southern California, and anybody here who um, lives here would tell you, we don't measure how long it takes to get somewhere by miles. It's all by time, because one mile um, could take you an hour. So for real, for, you, <laughs> it you, has. You get in the you get in the wrong neighborhood on the wrong road at the wrong time of day, and uh, it's it's dead stop. So. Uh, it's a large metropolitan area and so there are shows you know like up in pasadena or north of la or you know san diego mm -hmm. area so there are plenty of shows uh, we've just uh, decided to go ahead and try to make a you know a larger one with a bigger focus and bring in people from the out of, out of the area uh and um just get more conversation going yeah i want to know the orange county is about an hour south of la and about an hour and a half north of san diego um, but we're also a quick three and a half, four hour trip to Las Vegas. So um, that's another thing on the list of. <laughs> I always find it funny how, how Americans say quick trip of three or four hours. <laughs> yeah, my, my understanding is if you drove east to west across Germany, it's like two and a half hours. No, no, of course not. No, of course no, not. No. How, we are how not that small. No. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought. I'm remembering wrong, but yeah. Well, just to give you a little bit of context, York, um, from the distance between where I live to Los Angeles is about the distance between where you live and Damascus, Syria. Ooh. So it's, All right. it's a distance. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can tell you from experience that if you left the Pacific Ocean in San Diego and you drew and you rode motorcycle per se due east to the atlantic ocean in florida uh you could do it in 42 hours and 2400 miles wow. sounds about right i've driven into yes. San, or, uh, san francisco a few times and yeah. i think that was a 26 hour drive yeah so so I've done that route about eight or nine times on a motorcycle back and forth uh, from coast to coast. So, wow. For fun. Yeah, for fun. Hey, York, why don't you come stateside next February? We'll all go out to Los Angeles. We will <laughs> see. We will see how it goes. Well, I mean, I've been to the to the U.S. in 2009 uh, visiting our um, our staff member, H.A. in New Jersey. And I remember that that he always mentioned to quickly drive somewhere. And after an hour, we were still not arriving. And I was like, what do you define as quick exactly? <laughs> so, yeah, right. Um, yeah, but but um, in context, because you asked my, my mother, for example, um, 
well, she will move soon, but but they they used to live in in Bavaria, and I'm living more in Mannheim, which is in Frankfurt, which is like where the international airport of Germany is, and that alone is six hours, eight hours by um, by car, depending on how how good the traffic is. So you can you can spend your twelve hours or more in Germany from one side to another. Yeah. Yeah, I've taken the uh, I've taken the Bahn, the the train many times. Oh, oh, the German train system is really horrible. Yeah. Oh, well, we have no train. Well, we have Amtrak, which is not. Am, yeah. Amtrak is like eight percent of what the German train system is. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, but but still, still, our German train system is famous for always being delayed or trains simply don't drive. Um, yeah. Mm. <laughs> who's who's got a question? I, I had one, but I don't have one anymore. Ah, I'm the proud distance of and... <laughs> well, um, I mean, so... it's good that, that you're jumping right in, John, because you know the right questions because you know more about VCF. I'm probably one of the first, uh, one of the few people that never has been one of the shows, even not in Europe, even though oh. it would be closer for me. So I'm totally clueless. <laughs> I I think your channel has come up on my recommends a few times. When I when you popped up on screen, you looked really familiar to me. I, I apologize for not doing my homework before this interview and knowing a little bit more about you before we started. Um, oh, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm still getting to know myself as well. Yeah, it's a never-ending process as we age, isn't it? Um, so what is... I, I really hate to seem like I'm rephrasing an old question that Jorg asked, but... Um, Mickey, you gave your background. Uh, Steve, you kind of dipped in a little bit. What were your childhood computing, I guess, memories? What is your background? Were you more hardware-based, software-based? Were you a software pirate? Were you a freaker? Were you just a general miscreant on the BBSs? Or well, I'll, a little bit I'll never that? admit to, you know, war dialing or anything like that. But, um, you know, I've heard those things have happened in the past. But uh, my... My early, early experience with computers uh, was in high school with uh, an HP 2000 mainframe that uh, we had terminals in our school. And I, I would go to the uh, guidance office on the uh, Friday afternoon and they would, since I was enough of a nerd geek, right? They're like, okay, you can take that data terminal home this weekend. And I'd have it on the dining wow. room table, you know, putting the handset on the coupler and dialing into the system and, and chatting live chatting uh, uh, on a, a mainframe with, you know, other kids, uh, you know, around the Syracuse, upstate New York area. Uh, and then eventually I got myself um, an Atari 400. Unfortunately, this one is not my original, um, but I did suffer pro programming basic on the membrane keyboard. Uh, <laughs> All right. And um, I remember... I'm, I remember asking my brother, who, who had an Atari 800, uh, I'm like, we're, you know, uh, something about the TV display. I'm like, well, the, the, the characters are on the screen, so I don't have to save those. He's like, no, the, the TV doesn't hold anything. It just shows it. Like, you just start learning that, that stuff. Like, oh, there's video memory, or at least part of memory that's used 
to refresh the display. The, the, the display is refreshed, you know, 30 plus times a second. It doesn't just sit there. Now, of course, now we have, you know, paper displays, which can hold kind of uh, memory like that or a display like that. So that was my early days was just learning, you know, eight bits, you know, a byte, the 6502 processor, uh, um, you know, uh, coding in assembly on 6502. And, and then I learned, oh, when you go to the IBM for an 8086, 286, it's not the same assembler code. So now you got to relearn another another processor. And that began, uh, began my uh, life experience that everything changes with a new update, you know? <laughs> so that's why it's nice to go back to these old computers. They're like... Uh, like old cars that you can get your hands into. And I think to go back to something you asked earlier about the generations, older generations, newer generations, you know, we're talking to you on a MacBook right now. There's no, there's no teenager kid who's going to open up a MacBook and hack into, well, there are, there definitely are, but it's a lot easier to go into the older machines that you can see the components and you can hook up wires so, well, we got some love there on that one. I don't use Skype. Yeah. So, <laughs> I just pressed a button and hearts showed up. It was pretty cool. I promise, Judge, I'm not a cat, right? So, uh, <laughs> so um, the newer generations, I think, are enjoying these machines because they can be modified much easier than breaking your $2,000 MacBook, you know? Right. But but I wonder, isn't a Raspberry Pi, for example, stepping into the same direction? I mean, you have the bare PCB. You, you, you can create your own solder, your own interfaces. You have everything at hand, just a bit more integrated, but still you can tinker with, with it. I mean, there is a maker scene for, for, oh, yeah. for, for, for even such computers. So, yes. You know, there's there's something for everyone, you know, which is actually nice because there was a time where there were not no such uh, computers where where people actually could learn from from the beginning. What is a controller, for example? How does a memory controller work or something? You know, right. Yeah. Various chipsets. I mean, you mentioned the 6502. Of course, you have the Z80, and uh, then you started talking about the Intel processors, the 8086, that yeah, kind of right. stuff. And, and, uh, and, just... and the Z80 is actually still produced nowadays. So. Are they really? Yes, it's Z80s, yes. really? Yeah, yeah, Zylon really. still making yeah, yeah. chips? Yeah, yeah. They are still used in some things like um, old MP3 players, toasters, and other appliances. Not, mm -hmm. not, not used for um fully fledged computers of course but they are still they are still produced um yeah they are still interesting done yeah. time to hack a toaster <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean i mean yeah. nowadays every machine has a has a, a computer in it i mean even my toaster my, i got i got my new one two days ago it's a digital toaster that i can program what kind of bread i want to toast or if i want to toast a waffle or an american bagel or whatever so have you played doom have you played doom on your toaster yet no, not yet, not yet. But but my my last toaster was ten years old, so I just went on Amazon and I was like totally shocked. Wow, toasters are programmable programmable nowadays. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. So, quick question. You mentioned that your first computer was the Atari 400. Do you still yes. have a soft spot for that? Do you still kind of oh, look absolutely. into that scene every once in a while, maybe go to Atari Age and see what's happening on that front oh, or any other forums? Yeah, I'm, I'm all over the, you know, any any Facebook group or website or whatever Atari-related, I'm, I'm all over that. Um, I just, I love some of the, uh, well, I love all the devices people are coming out with. Um, we just got a, um, a 3D printer. And um, I, I wouldn't say we're late to the game. I, I literally, I would have bought one if, if I wanted. And I, she would have just seen it show up one day. <laughs> but it's like, it, you, you know, nerds. If I bought one print, I would never own one 3D printer. I'd have to have three, right? It's like all of a sudden, well, now I need that other one. And then this one does that and so forth. And I'm like, I don't have the time. I can't go down that rabbit hole. Uh, but we um, we won one. Mickey won one. Um, and so now we have one. We've been playing with it. And I tripped over um, this 3D print for uh, an Atari 400 for behind uh, the keyboard. It's uh, uh, basically a piece of plastic that has been um, uh, shaped to fit inside the case and give more support to the old keyboard. So if your Atari 400 keyboard is sagging a little bit, uh, this will give it a flat plane because there's really just a few points inside the case that is holding that membrane keyboard up. So uh, uh, I, I loved seeing that. I just le- love seeing people come out with these things. I would never have thought of that. We also printed that little kickstand. Oh yeah, the kickstand yeah. to hold the door open and the power switch on. So uh, I do have uh, plans for a video soon to uh, print that out and try it on, uh, on my Atari 400 up here to see how well it does. You know, it's it's a great idea. Yeah, which is good. quite a funny. So you're actually now in the enemy enemy to territory because we are Commodore 64 magazine. So <laughs> and you know this old rivalry between Atari and Commodore, which is better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think when I was... by now. I think by now we've all buried the hatchet on that. Um, I mean, we know Atari's better, but... (laughs) But when I got into doing the Vitnerd YouTube channel, which, of course, you know, go to the Vitnerd on YouTube, you'll find us. Um, You know, I'm uh, uh, heavy on Atari, but I started collecting some of the other retros I never had, and I actually have lots of... um, uh, I'm having lots of fun learning about their stuff, you know, like the TI-99 uh, with its crazy memory mapping, uh, the Commodore, you know, with, with its memory mapping and the various accessories that, you know, we didn't have on the Atari. Uh, so I'm I'm still learning stuff now. Like, for example, on the Atari 8-bits, the joystick ports are programmable for input-output because of the uh, 6520 chip that they decided to use. So you can... You can. My first modem connected to the Atari 400 joystick port, input and output. Okay. And then I discovered uh, just a few months ago that it, the Commodore doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. It it supports an Atari joystick, you know, for input. But my understanding, there's no output on the Commodore joysticks. And my brain was that's what I'm used to on the Atari. I just figured the Commodore had that as well. I, I had no clue you guys suffered on that. So, and actually, we didn't know we were suffering. <laughs> and actually, what, what many people don't 
didn't know and there were still some discussions about it until some some uh, magazine actually made uh, an article about it you actually can fry your commodore 64 by connecting mega drive gamepads to it uh, so that's mm. um, and actually actually um, a cousin of my mother actually gifted me one of those commodore 64g models the pret bin in white cream color that actually had such an such a fault um and so the as uh, um so one of the controller ships for the keyboard that is actually connected to to the joystick ports actually fried and i remember at this time my grandfather was still around and 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 it was one of those ICs that wasn't in a socket and he he was really pissed that he had to resolder all those legs manually mm. and replace the the That's um the fun part <laughs> yeah you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so yeah you have to be careful what you connect to the joystick port even though it's the same connector mm -hmm. isn't yes. always healthy yeah so have you looked at the atari 400 mini yet is that something that uh, is going to join your collection they just um, released it i've been watching videos a lot of people from europe is like why but the people <laughs> from the united states are actually kind of enthusiastic about this mini yeah since the I, commodore got I, one the amiga got one I, I pre-ordered one. Um, you could pre-order on Amazon US, uh, and I think there was a separate pre-order for Amazon UK. Um, and then I saw some note in the groups where um, they weren't available anymore for pre-order. So uh, maybe they yeah. filled out. You know, filled in up Germany, that. in Germany, PlayOn is actually the distributor because I know that because they actually sent us a press announcement and I already sent out an inquiry for an interview for the podcast. Oh, nice. That's yeah. also rolling. Yeah, the, the, well, I mean, the retro scene, at least here in Europe, always has this issue that people are very skeptical um, because you mentioned the, um, the um, 400 Mini. That's actually Darren Mailburn, who, who also concepted the DTV back then in 2004. And, and I remember we were the only podcast in 2006 wanting to interview him because anybody else in the scene said the C64 Mini is vaporware and will never come out. Yeah. So he really made a long way from the DTV to the, um, to the 400 Mini. I, I always, I always never understood why, why especially the European retro scene is always so skeptical when a new piece of hardware is coming out. Mm. I've kind of well, noticed a difference between the two. Maybe my observation is completely off, but I noticed that um, in Europe you see a lot of software development. You see a lot of um, pushing the boundaries on what hardware can do. In stateside, I see a lot more hardware development, not just for the Commodore, but also for the Atari. Um, I have a GS behind me. Uh, the GS, I have a CFFA in there, which is emulates the uh, the hard drives that were available at the time, that kind yeah. of thing. And that kind of stuff is coming in or coming out from the United States. And of course, there are European distributors like, um, forgive me, I can't remember their name at the moment. Yeah, Schoenfeld would be one of the biggest ones in the individual computers. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, I've yeah. ordered several things from them, but so, uh, it seems like a lot of the development is coming from the states. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of uh, the Atari, uh, you asked about the Atari Mini. Uh, I'm torn on it. Like I've got to get it right because 400 <laughs> was was my first computer. But I I did a social post recently, 
Mm. And, you know, don't hold me to this because I, I don't have an Atari Mini in my hand. But according to Atari's website for the dimensions of the Atari Mini, it is, th where am I? This It's this big. This is the, the paper. That's yeah, a post-it note? Yeah. Well, so, not quite. No, no. <laughs> okay. So it's about six by six inches. This isn't a, an actual Atari 400, actually the one up on my wall. So this is a real Atari 400 footprint. And this is my approximate understanding of the size of the Atari V400 Mini, as it's known. It's about six by six. So again, don't, don't hold me to that. Don't sue me over that. But from their dimensions posted there on their website, it's it's tiny. It's tiny, tiny. It's basically, you know, they put a processor in a box and said, we need plastic around it. But the more plastic you use, the more money it costs. Mm. But it it is mini, right? Just like the C64 mini is tiny. So they did come out with the C64, uh, the, the full size. The, so the max... The max. Yeah, so I'm they hoping they come out with that. the the Atari 400 Max, maybe. So maybe that's what we'll see down the road. I don't know. I've heard I mean, rumblings I mean, about keyboards. I, I mean, and the other good thing, uh, the good thing is about about Retro Games Limited, which is actually the company behind those devices. The good thing is Darren Mailburn, um, who who designed those. Who who had this idea of doing those mini computers? He's actually listening to listening to feedback. I remember <laughs> when the C sixty four mini was released. The European version came first, and I remember Bill Murray, eight bit guys, tried to connect it to his TV, and it didn't show a signal because his TV wasn't Paul compatible. Um, and I remember it was released, and and what they did is actually they they put the games in the menu in the carousel to select your games and and they didn't properly start the game and save them no they started the game let the music play and then freeze it and then using this memory freeze and put it in in the joystick and and that was like man i i mean this is a nice device but all your games are are starting in the middle of the of the intro or, or the startup screen. Why why is that? And I, I remember that I was very unhappy about that. And one year after I complained about it, I received an SMS from him saying, good news, we fixed this issue in a firmware mm. update. So that's actually the good thing of those new machines. They are constantly improving the stuff. Mm -hmm. And plus it'll it'll get to a new generation. You know, yeah. there, there's a bunch of parents who will buy it from this. That's also plus. And, the, yeah. and then the kids will see it, mm -hmm. and they'll they'll be like, "Yeah, that's really cool." There's a bigger one. Let's let's go on eBay and find one or something like that. <laughs> Ooh, that's how the prices go up, guys. Yeah, buy now. I haven't been able to find a decent retro computer for a decent price for a long, long time. Um, for a while, I was archiving old software, Amiga, Commodore, Atari, um, uh, that kind of stuff. And I would be able to buy out collections for $200 or less. I haven't yeah. been able to find a collection for under $500 for years. So right. it, it's it's a hobby. It's not a job. I'm doing it of my, you know, with my free time. And I just can't invest that kind of money in preserving stuff like that anymore. 
So, mm-hmm. which is a shame, man. Maybe I mean they say that there's a there's a wave, right? The initial reception of the computer, and then you have that nostalgia wave. Yeah, so yeah. let's say when Mame was released back in the late '90s, you kind of had that nostalgia wave for Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, and that kind of eased out. And I think we might be seeing that nostalgia wave for originally 8-bit computers, and now we're starting to see it with 16-bit computers, and even things like uh, PlayStations and PlayStation 2s are coming back into mm-hmm. that nostalgia wave. So here's hoping that that wave, that wave will last a little bit longer than the uh, early arcade wave that happened about mm-hmm. 15 years ago. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I love this stuff. I mean, I know Jorg collects minis. You sound like... You're kind of on the fence with the mini, but you do own them. I I don't buy them anymore. After I got the DTV for the Commodore back, whenever they released that, what was that? Twenty years ago. Twenty oh four was the release. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a twenty years ago. After I got one of those, I just kind of fell out of love with it. I'm I know that I could hack it, but since I was getting the American version of it, it wasn't as hackable as the European version. So yeah. all I had was a joystick with games built into it, and. Uh, it was fun to play with my kids until they got bored of it and wanted to return to Minecraft, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, what are your, I mean, you kind of seem kind of on the fence with the minis. What are your thoughts of the new retro stuff coming out? Um, do you think that this is just part of that retro wave that I mentioned earlier, or do you think that this is something that's going to be here for a while? <clears> hmm. <throat> huh. Well, the people with disposable income are primarily the ones buying uh, the nostalgia items from their childhood, their early years, teenage, you know, 20 somethings and so forth. So I, these minis, they're not new, you know, every generation has something that gets recreated and, but it's all dependent on the technology. So nowadays, you know, you've got a system on a chip that, can emulate whatever you want. And you can have a something that's the size of a postage stamp that is running games that took, you know, a cabinet, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, so as the as the technology changes and our products that we work with, our watches, our phones, and so forth change, I think you'll see that old the old IP, right? Uh, like for example. I did a video, um, six, uh, a series of six videos uh, mixing these Atari drinks that were on this Atari glass I tripped over. And Terrible recipes. Yeah, ter- ter- go, it's, well, yeah, just go watch them. And um, uh, one of the games, uh, one of the recipes was Asteroids, and I tried to play each game on a different system. So for Asteroids, I picked uh, an iPad at the website of AARP, uh, which in America is a, the Retired Persons uh, Association, and they had licensed from Atari Asteroids in a web window, and I'm playing it on an iPad. So if you go check out that video, you'll see that. So you don't even need a mini or or, or an original or a, a Raspberry Pi. You just need a web interface, which, of course, we all have that. So you'll see things start coming out in web interfaces over the years. You know, people will be playing Minecraft from a web page in 10 years, you know, uh, as the technology, you know, exceeds what we can do now. We'll, we'll watch AI fight AI, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. And of course, yeah, the Internet I mean, Archive allows you to um, play old computer games there, too. The, yeah. Most of the Apple II libraries up on there that you can just play from a browser window. So right, that's, right. 
So uh, one thing I have been doing is uh, New Wave Toys makes replicate machines, uh, one sixth with one sixth scale arcade machines, and I I I'm a preteen arcade rat. I grew up in an arcade yeah. uh, that was in my neighborhood, and so I've been buying every one of those that come out. Uh, I've been really enjoying those, um, but you know the other. You know, I'll t I'll get the mini four hundred. Uh, you know, if they come out with a eight hundred max or whatever, uh, I'll get that as well because you know I love Atari. But you know, I'm not really into the you know the C sixty four mini or if they come out with the TI mini or whatever. But I'm I'm glad they're doing it. You know, there are people that want those, and that, that's good. I mean, you said you have a soft spot for the Atari, which is interesting because it has a membrane keyboard. Just by the way. <laughs> Oh, that's oh, a yeah. really low floor, low floor joke. It it is it is coffee spill proof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to the defense of Commodore, they also made it with the Max machine that also had this um, membrane keyboard. So, um, ZX Spectrum and Atari wasn't alone with the membrane keyboard. You know. Right. But I have so, to admit, I have to admit the Pratt bin Commodore 64, it always made me stiff hands by this um, horrible post, poster, um, postage, uh, how do you say? Postage? Poster? Posture. Posture. Posture yeah. of the hands, exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I really enjoyed the C64C, the flat one, a lot better. So. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's that's back in the days when we were all putting our our computers on like dressers or, or you know a TV tray a TV tray and <laughs> yeah. we're we're like we're like programming it like this in a terrible kitchen chair and there there was there was no ergonomics back then. Right, right. Yeah, especially the famous tank mouse is another thing. Oh my mm -hmm. god. Yeah. Yep. A tank <laughs> mouse. Yeah, you, you don't know the uh, the Amiga mouse is actually the original mouse actually nicknamed Tank Mouse because it's it's etch it's it's a rectangle like a tank. Huh. Mm -hmm. That's why they call it Tank Mouse. So did you progress onto the ST then? I did. Uh, so the the natural progression, of, as you're stating, was uh, from Atari 8-bit to the Atari ST. Uh, but more so for myself, um, as I mentioned, uh, I'm a nerd. I, I've been a nerd since 12 or whatever, you know. Um, and one of my early jobs was working at a uh, product developer for Atari computer products. Oh, so nice. uh, I feature some of those on my channel. Uh, I haven't done a lot of them yet. I, I have plans, but I, I've done a lot of social posts with the things I've uh, collected. So uh, the company was QMI, Quantum Microsystems Incorporated, and um, we made uh, uh, you know serial interfaces for the Atari 8-bit, and then the ST came along. We made uh, clock cartridges and some modem interfaces and other things like that. Uh, so I, I was really, really exposed to a lot of the Atari uh, stuff out there. The vendors, uh, I'd go to a, you know Atari trade shows. Uh, so that was great. And then one day, uh, I hate to say it, I had to grow up and bought a used IBM 386 machine. So Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. That, that is one machine I'm glad I don't have anymore. 
uh, my original used, to, you know, new to me 386 beige. Really? Bottom. I mean, retro PC <laughs> is a thing. I mean, those uh, 386 PCs, they are they are costing almost a thousand euros or something. Yeah, yeah, no, no on doubt. eBay and stuff. You know. But see, that's that's just the thing. You've got the, you've got the generations. You've got the generations who worked with you know S100 bus systems. You've got the generations that worked with the Z80s, the 6502s. And then you got the generations that, you know, their first computer was, you know, uh, an ATT or something, a compact that, you know, the parent brought home that they got through work, you know, through some special program. And they had a 286 compact. And that was their first computer. You know, every generation, uh, you know, every three to five years as the technology right. moved. Right. That, that's what you got exposed to first. Right. Yeah, well, I have I have to admit I had this plan of building a retro PC some summer, but then I figured out nowadays emulation is so good, you can just use DOSBox and you have a Windows three a, a, a three one one installation in it, and mm. basically you don't need the old PC hardware anymore nowadays. Well, it's, if you need any, I've got plenty. Um, this is a uh... <laughs> Overdrive mm -hmm. chip. <laughs> wow! Welcome to it, Yorg. You can have it. I've got a wow. pile of them yeah. right here. Well, first, yeah, here's a, here's a to try it too. You can have this too. <laughs> I'll just throw them all in a box and ship them to Germany. <laughs> I've got a stack of them. They're all yours. I've got memory too. I've got like bins of it. I'll send that. You'll be able to make something. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I'm going to sell here for three eighty six. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm the guy who has no couch, but but an arcade machine instead in his living room. So, <laughs> yes, I see that there. I I like it. <laughs> and and uh... most people ask me, does it work? And I'm like, sure, it works. Otherwise, why would I put it in instead of a couch? You know. <laughs> mm -hmm. so. I so, guess um... that's also a question that is asked for you tons of times. Whether your stuff works or whether you collect stuff that is broken, right? Me? Yes, you. Um, I'd have to check, but ninety percent of what you see behind me, which is only eighty percent of what's on my retro wall, wall of retro, uh, it works. The, all all this stuff works up here. This this microvision unit, the I have to uh, replace the screen on it. I have some aftermarket screens uh, for that. I actually have. Uh, I lost count. I got 20 or 30 of them uh, to do uh, repairs on. So when I got into before the Vintnerd, before the Vintnerd YouTube channel, uh, I was getting into uh, collecting some of these items to repair and, and enjoy repairing because I used to do memory upgrades on them in the 80s and stuff. Um, so I'm well familiar, have my hands in there. Uh, and soldering and you know the soldering doesn't scare me i've got all the all the tools and the you know decades of skill with that um so that's how i originally got back into it for fun was to do some tweaks and upgrades on these uh so i'm happy to buy them if they're not working especially since i know a lot of the quirks of why most of them don't work for this reason or that reason right right um right. which is like for example i i, I have a timex sinclair 1000 that works because I bought it, somebody reconditioned it, and I know enough not to buy those um, because the ULA chips are usually dead and they're hard to replace. So, you know, you, you learn all these tips and tricks over the time. 
So how much, Mickey, um, you've been kind of quiet, and I apologize if we're directing no. too many of the questions to Steve. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how much of your interests overlap in terms of what he's doing and what your interests are? Um, I wouldn't say it's more complementary than overlap. So for the Vint Nerd, um, we started during the pandemic, and we had a lot of time on our hands, and I wanted to learn how to video edit anyway. So that was the impetus to really learn video editing. So I'm the editor for the channel. Um, and then uh, in my day job, I do some um, graphically focused uh, elements. And then in my side job or my side hobbies, um, I do a lot of graphic design. So that was, um, I said, you know, I'll do all of the logos and marketing and, uh, and that sort of thing. So it's, um, we, we, split, we split the responsibilities for the most part in um, what we do together. Um, Mickey's biggest contribution to the Vintnerd YouTube channel is back three years ago on January 5th when I was eating her air off more and more about, you know, repairing these things and this and that and so forth. And she says, you, you, sh you should do a YouTube channel, meaning talk to somebody else about it. <laughs> yeah. so. You seem to have a lot of information. Perhaps someone else might want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> So she, she redirected me. So, um, and, and, and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying meeting more people like you guys. If we didn't start the thank you. and doing thank DCF, you. we wouldn't have met you guys. And here right, we are. Right, right. Well, I mean, I mean, but but my reason that I met John and the others is basically because 24 years ago, everybody told me there's nothing more in America regarding retro and Commodore 64 anymore. And it was like, I don't believe that. And this is why I started Scene World because I wanted to bring it closer to the global audience. Mm -hmm. I kind of find I kind of find that sad that that we were so European centric that everybody assumed there's nothing left in America mm -hmm. e except some old dudes in some user groups, perhaps. But nothing. <laughs> I'm still there. there you know? <laughs> I'm still on Usenet. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's it's really it's really good for, for us that we have this opportunity to to cover this all. I I find this totally fascinating, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if you have children. Um, I don't but... know. I don't know either. <laughs> We, we each have we each have two kids from prior marriages. Yes. Okay. I was going to ask if this is generational. My two oldest sons are really into retro. Uh, my oldest one is 23. He's a big Sega nerd. He owns pretty much everything Sega's ever produced. With... Also this pullover, I hope. What's it? Also yeah. this Sonic pullover, I hope. I think that's a that's a good Christmas gift idea for next year. But. Yeah. Um, are your kids it was, also? It was actually it was actually a Cecil sales out from last Christmas. So it uh, was. Th yeah, from twenty uh, from Christmas twenty twenty two. So it might be not around anymore. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. <laughs> You'll find yeah, it on like eBay. <laughs> yeah, eBay. Probably, probably, yeah, for twice the price. <laughs> so, are your kids interested in this stuff at all? Um, I would say the majority of them uh, appreciate um, what we work on, but are not terribly interested. Well, we we both have um, girls. Uh, I, I have two daughters. She has two daughters. Mm -hmm. so we have four daughters between us. Uh, my two are uh, the oldest two. And um, I love you, but 
they don't give a crap about the retro <laughs> stuff. So, okay, I see. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's they, they have their question. own interests. One's an actress, which um, I probably can. You'll, you'll, if you watch the um, commercials on Super Bowl day, you might see one of my children. Ooh. So um, she's an actress. And uh, second, uh, my second daughter is a classically trained uh, piano um, performer and teacher. And uh, so they went towards the arts instead yeah, of Yeah, towards the arts. And yeah. I, I'm a guitar player and play piano as well. So I, that may have had something to do with it. Uh, I have to say, though, I'm impressed with Mickey's two daughters. They're, they're gamers. They, they definitely play. Um, they have their switches. They, yeah. Yeah. But not, they, they, um, you know, we shared some Ms. Pac-Man back when they were kids. I had a little uh, one that you could plug into the TV and that sort of thing. But oh, not that. okay. Yeah, they Jax. haven't been very interested. Yeah, Jacks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I got one of them too, by the way. Uh, was not easy to import them to Germany. Uh, oh, yeah. You should have yeah. asked. I, I think I might have some laying around. <laughs> you, made me, was, you made me tell was that I'm trying to unload a bunch of my junk. I don't Perhaps, want to send it to Germany. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's yeah. interesting that you mentioned it i just wanted to say because you mentioned there are both daughters you know um there are actually more and more youtube channels with female retro interested uh, people um coming up i mean mm -hmm. uh, just in one of the next um episodes we have an italian a woman who is in their who is in her twenties and she's making a retro YouTube channel. That's awesome. So yeah, we had mm -hmm. several female podcasters, women podcasters, come through VCF over a couple of years, um, mm -hmm. promoting themselves and trying to generate a, a buzz for their channel. Sadly, I can't remember who they are or if they're still around, but they had stickers printed out. They were talking to everybody they possibly could just to generate mm -hmm. some interest in their retro channel. So it's not a male centric. Uh, not anymore. At all. No, no, no. Yeah, and 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 it's and, a future when we dinosaurs mm -hmm. die out. The, <laughs> somebody has to pick up this torch, you know. Well, when the dinosaurs die out, just think of all the collections that will be on eBay. <sighs> right. Thankfully, I think my kids know that this stuff is has value and won't end up in a in a dumpster or something like that. Uh, that's only going to happen with the Rifa caps. Yeah, I made a habit out of replacing those in my in my Apple series. I haven't done this one yet, but yeah. I used to work in the uh, in the arcade industry back in the 80s and 90s and I've done oh, plenty nice. of monitor repairs and I know how fast the caps can dry out and die. So I'm really surprised. I've got a couple of green screen monitors that are still kicking and of course mm -hmm. this one is still kicking. And uh, you know, it's a lot of it's touch and go. I had a conversation with somebody on Reddit a few years ago. I, he was looking to get an old PC so he could uh, make mod music, if you know what that is. Yeah. Um, module music. And he was kind of a kind of a jerk about it. And I said, you know, you could easily do this through emulation. I said, when you pick when you pick up an old piece of hardware, you're not just buying an old piece of hardware. You're pretty much agreeing to be a steward of it. Um, that you understand that buying this old equipment, it not unusual for these things to just pop, you know, uh, um, right. a capacitor dries out or the flyback dies or any number of problems. And mm -hmm. for people who don't have that stewardship mindset to it, mm -hmm. they'll just go, well, it's junk now, whomp, 
I had a buddy who had a TI-99 back in the day, back in the 90s, and he was feeling nostalgic, so he went off to eBay and bought one, played around with it for like a day or two and just threw in the garbage afterward. I'm like, Mike, man, <laughs> you know I collect this stuff, and you threw it away. He's like, yeah, I just, you know, I didn't think you'd want it. I was like, oh, come on, man. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all have those stories, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, let's talk about more positive things, perhaps. So um, perhaps let's ask, what are you looking forward to the most for your coming um, BCF event? Success. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah success. Success. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, with right, all so the promo. Uh, we've got good good signals that we're we're headed in the right direction, and um, and we've had a lot of enthusiasm and folks driving in from further than we would expect. We've got a couple peeps, people coming from Arizona, maybe one from Nevada, a few from Northern California that'll drive down. Um, and then I think the the biggest thing I'm excited about is how do we just ignite. Um, this community here, I, we've had response from some folks that are uh, had not have not been to a BCF. So I'm curious to see mm -hmm. how many people will introduce to this um, whole series uh, that just weren't exposed previously. Awesome. I'm 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 a bit sad that you said you we won't do the live stream this year because that would have been a kicker, I think. But hopefully for the for the coming years. Yeah. If you are not, if you're not, um, drove, if you're not driven away by the scary, uh, by the scary thing this year that you said, no, no, I will not do this again. Not anymore. <laughs> no, we're so deep in, I, yeah, we, uh, we're over the hump, I think on, on the planning process. Yeah. So, um, we're, yeah, we're, we're committed and the decisions we're making are long-term. So, um, oh, okay. yeah, we're, we're investing um, in, you know, show equipment and um, all of the processes that we set up are established so that we can recreate this year after year. Yeah, there, there's so much that can go right. Uh, but, you know, there's some things that can go wrong as well. And so, for example, live streaming uh, the presentations, somebody needs to man that. The, the hardware needs to keep working. The, the uh, event center uh, Wi-Fi or network needs to not you know go down so we haven't held this event ever yeah. we haven't held this event in this location so we're we're we don't want to bite off way too much we, no, we want right. to be able to right. take our time and focus on what we can definitely make sure works and, that we and then improve in the common years right yeah. yeah so are you planning for 2025 already are you getting that far ahead no no, no. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, the decisions that we're making, yeah. the investments we're making are, um, oh, yeah, yeah. it'll yeah. pay off over the next few years. Probably about 90% of our work that we've done over the last few months, we won't have to do again next year. Right. So then next year, when we have all this all going, our Wix online ticketing system, our website, our processes, our connections, then next year we'll have more time to focus on doing a live stream of the uh, of the presentation. Right, and I, I spent two months looking for a venue, so, uh, two mm -hmm. or three months. So we, if this venue works out, then we've got that. And then we'll also have the experience to know, mm -hmm. like, okay, what worked, what didn't work, can we do it here again? Um, and and it'll be a, a lot quicker execution. I also just want to know that we do have 
regular day jobs. So this is nights and weekends and this is our lunch hour <laughs> right, right now. Yeah. So um, we're, uh, it'll be great not to have the, the heavy lift of, you know, standing up for the very first time next right. year. Right. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to all the other VCFs. Oh yeah. We, uh, again, Mickey is a data analyst and we have analyzed uh, in what ways we could the other VCFs mm -hmm. All you know, videos of people posted talking to organizers of those shows. We're we're trying to do what we want to do with our VCF, but we're not creating the wheel from scratch here. Yeah, we're you leveraging know. a lot of the processes. Yeah. That established. So you know, we have sponsors because VCF Southwest started having sponsors, and the other VCFs hadn't. And so we're like, sponsors are a good way to spread the word and, and get some you know, actual money in to spend on things for the show. Uh, so there's a number of things that we're doing because of the other VCFs proved that they were worthwhile for the attendees. So we're standing on their shoulders and we're mm -hmm. seeing what we can do, what we can do to maybe further this idea and mm -hmm. uh, generally just getting one in, um, well, Southern California. Yeah. So. Outstanding. Oh, I had another question. I can't remember what it was. It'll it'll probably dawn on me three hours after we're done. <laughs> um, mm. Oh, yeah, I remember what it is. Um, is this your first time organizing such a large event? I imagine, I mean, what you, is your expected turnout to be on par with some of the other VCFs, like a thousand plus? Or um, what are you expecting in terms of attendance? And have you provide or have you um, organized an event of this size before or assisted in organizing? So the the scope of this event is larger than what I've done before. Uh, components I I I, I do um, the all hands meetings for my uh, the corporation I work for that usually has two or three hundred attendees and we have a variety of speakers and so I've done elements of it um, but this one is bigger in general and I'm responsible for all of the pieces of it. Um, but as far as attendance. We have the goals that we want to hit um, that would make us feel like it was success. Mm -hmm. And we have seen close to a thousand attendees over a weekend for the last few um, VCFs across the US. Uh, so we aspire to hit a thousand for the weekend. Um, the facility itself physically can hold a thousand people at one time. So um, well, in the exhibit hall, in the exhibit hall. And then so. if you get people in presentation, people in the foyer, people not there that part of that day. So we'll see what what it ends up being. And then I have a, a press release written that I want to release this week <clears throat> um, that will hopefully get attention uh, outside of those that are already on like the Facebook groups and have mm -hmm. pre-signed up or, you know, are familiar with the VC Fed. So we're trying to um, reach out a little bit further wider audience. Mm -hmm. And have you checked to see if they could accommodate your power needs um, in a previous VCF? Oh, that, 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 that was the first question you asked? That was, that was the first thing. And the hotel, uh, the, the event center was very helpful, but they hold events for like weddings or, or sales of Viziana products or some corporate events. I don't think they've really had somebody come in and say, you know, every table needs, you know, three to nine amps of power. So um, they, uh, we did the math. We looked at the facilities, um, the electrical outlets. Uh, we're like gonna... literally went one by one with the engineer 
and determine, yeah. you know, what it, what's the output? Is this on the same circuit as another one? Um, my dad's a retired electrical engineer, and so mm -hmm. we, we really put him through the ringer. Yeah, so we, we're we going to have a number of, um, you know, we call them spider units, you know, breaking out the 240-volt um, uh, multi-amp to, you know, 120 household volt. We're going to have those, and then, of course, spreading the, the wires along and so forth. And I think at some point we're like, can we back up a generator over here? Yeah. <laughs> like, if we need more. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've really spent a lot of time on that. So we do believe... Um, the power shouldn't be a problem, but you that's, know, it will be, you, you know, yeah, that's good. To you hear. know, we, we've asked the uh, exhibitors, you know, what do they guesstimate their power usage will be? And if somebody's running, you know, some hard, uh, hard iron, you know, uh, some mainframe or something, uh, something needs a lot more draw. We'll, we'll get them closer to the outlet to an area that's not so drained with other exhibitors. Um, but we're sure every vcf we've seen something's come up um we'll, but we'll just try to mitigate those as as we go along and does the venue know what they're in for have they had any of these kind of conventions before they they have not but um we've been working really really closely with them the um initial sales rep that i worked with was um she's our age and totally got that this yeah. is a huge nostalgia <clears throat> thing and um we we told them we were very open with them like steve said you know we're gonna we're gonna have folks that are just gonna loiter in the lobby and want to plug in things and she's you know, yeah it's just like all uh, the 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 hotel has been redone it used to be called double tree now well, it's, it's still a double tree it is yeah, yeah. but it's a double tree property but now it's called hotel farah and that's new in the last eight months a year or two Something like that yeah, yeah. Uh, and all all the rooms had been redone in the last year or so. The lobby's been redone. They have beautiful couches with AC outlets because everybody wants to plug in their laptop or their phones and stuff. Yeah. And we're like, we're going to be using those. Um, <laughs> just to just to note from what Mickey said, the you asked, does the hotel know what they're in for? Well, the hotel can handle the show. The 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 hotel again, the grand ballroom. We, we've contracted all the event space in that grand ballroom area and it can handle a thousand people in that room the the hotel wasn't built you know two years ago the hotel's been there for quite a while and the parking the, the foyer is large the lobby of the hotel 400 rooms in the hotel it the hotel will handle the influx of people mm -hmm. the only two things we had was a power as you mentioned so the hotel, the grand ballroom area has the power. Uh, we just have to distribute it correctly for the power loads in that room. The second thing was they have lots of tables and they're very beautiful. And she mentioned something about uh, somebody scratching one of them. And I'm like, let me see these tables. And they are beautiful banquet tables that are like, you know, they're called like linenless, so you don't need to put linens on yeah. them. They've got a finish that um, is supposed to be nice for your banquet. Right. However, when you put you know a PC with a metal case and the scratches, we, we would be paying six hundred to a thousand dollars per table if you scratch them. So, so we went to them and said it's it's a no go. We're going to have to bring our own tables, and they found their old tables. They you know nobody gets rid of anything, so they had all their old tables that are more what you'd expect that you put you put a beautiful tablecloth on it you don't know that it's a rickety 
looking, you know, top, wood top. Um, and we said that those are the tables we need. Don't bring out the other tables. Yeah. So we had to work that out with them. Um, so we got over that hump as well about uh, uh, having uh, enough tables on mm -hmm. site to handle this. So that's all that's all squared away. But those are a couple of things we had to watch out for. But we're all good. If it can handle a pet, it's good enough, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good news. I, I knew a guy who tried to start a anime slash manga event and it fell apart like a wet paper sack. He had nowhere near the foresight that you all have. I'm actually kind of disappointed I can't make it this year. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. I'm, it's not going to happen, Yorg. I'm sorry. I, I can't I'm, make it happen. No problem. No problem. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you, you agreed to, to, to be on this show because, as I said, I, I don't have this background knowledge about the event as much as you do. Um, so, well, anyway, we spoke a lot about it. So where can people find more info about it? I guess you have a homepage and social media and all about this event. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's vcfsocal.com, and uh, we've got all of the things that we're working on listed on there. You can go through the different pages, exhibitors and speakers. There's a, a reasonably comprehensive FAQ. There's a little bio about me and my background with Commodore, and um, links to the tickets, uh, links to the hotel room. But by the time this comes out, the hotel room rate will have gone up, goes up tonight at midnight, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, we had a contracted rate till uh, a month before, which tomorrow is, uh, um, or today, the end tonight, of tonight's yeah. about a month before. Yeah. So rooms will still be available, but the special, you know, early bird rate is uh, disappearing by midnight Pacific time tonight. And then we're on um, just about every social media platform that you can think of. Uh, it should be VCF SoCal on any of those. Will be, yeah, is. Uh, yeah, it is. Okay, awesome. So um, if you've got one that you like to follow on, then join us on there. Awesome. Are you are you already on Blue Sky? Yep. Yes. Ah, okay, because I still got some invite codes and I oh. <laughs> want to get rid of them. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for taking the time. I'm really glad mm -hmm. we finally made this happen. And of course, I will make sure to to make this the second podcast episode of this month because our last one we just released yesterday. And of course, as promised in my email, I was reading off the whole program you sent me via email in the for the new section of that episode. So people should already be informed about what's happening on your event. Um, yeah. Awesome, because as I said, it's happening. Um, you said middle of February, right? So in four weeks. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And what's nice um, in the U.S. here, we have a holiday on that Monday, so it's President's Day, and so it's a three-day weekend for uh, for most folks folks here, and that gives time to travel home on Monday, so you don't have to leave early on right. Sunday to get home. Perfect, perfect, awesome. So well, really nice to meet you guys. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. It was nice to meet you too. I hope to meet you in person next year. <laughs> yes, definitely. We'll see if we can make that happen. And maybe I can drag Jorg out there too. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Enjoy the rest of your days. You too. And I hope uh, your next interview goes really well. And I hope Thanks. to see you next year. Yeah, yeah Golf Digest. So <laughs> check that out. Golf Digest. I'll, I'll make sure to I'll make sure to look that up. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Ciao, guys. Mickey Thanks. Steve, it was bye great bye. to meet you. Take care.